Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. We just had the most beautiful conversation with one of the most just grounding people I think we've ever met. She just has this energy that exudes love, presence, and peace. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Um, Our guest, you guys are in for such a treat. Um, I should reveal Danielle Laporte, although you've already probably clicked on the title, so you know, (laughs) um, is someone that we have admired for so long. Gina, you had a one-on-one with her, I think, 13 years ago? Yep, 13 years ago. She did a talk at I don't even remember what the topic was, but I just knew I had to meet this woman. I had a we did a group session and then I did a one on one with her. And to fast forward to 13 years now and it was a it was a trip. Yeah, it was so insane. And um, I told Danielle in person and we talked about this on the episode a bit. But I remember just sitting in the bookstore of our hometown, our shared hometown, and just reading her book and feeling so confronted with so many of the things that she really just brought out in me by sharing her own story, right? She's sharing her own story, but of course, we're all reflections and mirrors of each other. And so Mm -hmm. I was seeing myself through her story and essentially realizing that so much of my spiritual practices, you know, so much of my spiritual journey was a fear-based one. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us get stuck in that wheel of self-improvement and then even using spirituality for self-improvement. And so In this episode, we actually talk about how spirituality is such a sneaky place for the ego to hide. Mm. And so if you are someone who listens to this podcast and you listen to a lot of different accounts on TikTok, Instagram, you're reading all the books, none of that is wrong. None of that is bad. All that is part of your journey. But really, which part of you is seeking that knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? Which part of you is looking for one more thing to integrate, one more thing to feel better, And what would your spiritual practice and journey really look like if you were actually okay with who you were right now? And so, you know, self-improvement is part of our, I just think it's just really ingrained in the culture now, right? It's like everything is about like being better and like being the best and like conquering yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Danielle actually talks about how, what if we didn't try to overcome and conquer things, Mm -hmm. right? And that's a totally... A totally counter conditioning to our culture right now. Everything is about like almost killing the ego, vanquishing the ego. And this was such a beautiful conversation that really, really just charts her journey and progress through that phase of her life. And that's a beautiful, important phase. I think we all go through on the spiritual path of using it against ourselves and, you know, finding that, oh my God, like you got to laugh at it, it almost. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that was ego too. Right. And then like actually bringing love to the practices and bringing love to the parts of yourself that you are even searching for the practices. Yeah, I think one of the other beautiful topics that came out was just allowing ourselves to be right, because we are, like you said, on this constant chase of just improving ourselves, learning the next thing, healing the the next thing. And I think one of the biggest takeaways that I got from this conversation was, can we invite in just the beingness and not be in such a rush to fix anything. She talks a lot about um, this in her new book, How to Be Loving, 
of stopping trying to fix ourselves. Right. Like, how can we just be with ourselves? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we don't. I think that we hear that and we're like, so what? Just like give up everything, like become like a lesser version of myself. And it's like, no, it's to become more accepting of the version that you currently are, which is actually going to give birth to quote unquote improvement. But the improvement's not going to come from a place of lack anymore. It's just going to be like a natural sort of like outpouring of your own love and a care and attention. It's like literally like taking care of a flower. It's not like this flower better fucking grow. It's kind of like, I just care about this flower. Therefore, I'm going to, you know, put it in the sun and give it some plant food and water it. It's like, and then it just naturally grows, Mm -hmm. but its growth is not actually indicative of its worth as a flower. And so I feel like that's what we're kind of doing to ourselves, but, or not doing to ourselves rather. We're not actually allowing ourselves to give ourselves love and care from a place of literally loving and caring for ourselves. We do it from this place of not loving and caring for ourselves. Well, yeah, because I think self-improving insinuates that there's something wrong with you. And I think when we can learn to love all of it, because it is all part of us and we can love all of that, then from that place, you will know what your heart wants. You will know what what next steps to take or what you need in that moment to to feel more loving and to feel or whatever your heart needs in the moment instead of it needing fixing or improving. And it's just a very, very different energy and different approach to using these practices because you're really using them because that's what your your heart is calling for versus needing to do it in order to reach a certain destination. Yeah, exactly. And so this conversation was just Oh, honestly, such a beautiful exploration of what it really means to live a heart-centered life. Mm-hmm. When is enough self-improvement enough? Yeah. Right. And actually, this is such a beautiful conversation where um, Danielle actually reveals like why I don't go to therapy anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, she doesn't knock any of these practices or practitioners, you know, to each their own and whatever they need in that season of their life is potent and that's medicine. But she talks about how the efficacy of a medicine wears off. Mm. And I thought that was so beautiful because I feel like on my journey too, I'm kind of not even abandoning, but I'm just kind of putting some things down for now. I'm like, okay, like that was really helpful, but it's not really helping me anymore. It's kind of like how I've abandoned my morning routine. It's like, do I really need three hours to like get ready for a day? Or like, am I just constantly perpetuating that I need to do that? Mm. And so it's been a beautiful, curious exploration. And um, Danielle, I mean, she is such a force to be reckoned with. She really is raising the awareness of the planet with love. Mm-hmm. Um, she's actually a member of Oprah Super Soul 100, a group who, in her words, is uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. And I really can't, I couldn't agree more with Oprah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is an incredible conversation. Um, her book, How to Be Loving When Your Heart is Breaking Open and the World is Waking Up, has been both Gina and I's nighttime reading for the past few months. And it joins her incredible library of author content, which includes one of my favorite books, White Hot Truths. And so Mm. whether you read her most recent book or any of her previous books or just listen to this, honestly, just listen to this podcast and hear her wisdom. You can tell that it's so embodied, like nothing is nothing is just being said to be said. You can really tell that she's living it. It is her truth. Mm. And she just is like a beacon of the truth. And um, I mean, she's deeply loved and revered in the spiritual community. And so we are so, so honored to be welcoming her to you, our beautiful community. And um, it's it's going to be a good one. Let us know what you think. (laughs) 
Welcome, Danielle, to the Spiraling Higher podcast. This is such an incredible manifestation for the both of us. Truly. We have admired you from afar for so many years. I will never forget, I was sitting on the floor of a Chapters bookstore mm-hmm. and reading White Hot Truth. I'm sorry, I didn't purchase it. But <laughs> I was poor then. And I was just sitting on the floor of this bookstore and realizing that I had gotten my spiritual journey all wrong, which is funny because it's not wrong. It was actually perfect for me. Mm. But I had realized that my spiritual practice was a self-hatred practice Mm. and something that came from the energy of non-love. And so when I heard you speak on it just so radically and honestly, I thought, this is it. She knows. Because before that, everything was so like love and light. Mm -hmm. And you were like, babes, your spirituality is not love and light. It's more it's more darkness. Mm. And so I would love for you to kind of share that journey of um, realization for you. You know, what took you from doing all the things, the astrology readings, the shamans to realizing I've got to just come back to me. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. (laughs) It is like just really exhausting. Like, you know, the kind of the jokey way I put this now is I looked at my day planner. I was in this great house on East 7th. Uh, Context, we're in a real estate space right now. <laughs> and um, I had the appointment with an astrologer, an, a, a Western one mm-hmm. and an Eastern one in case I didn't like what the Western one said. <laughs> <laughs> Just back up. And then I had a Zoom session with a shaman who was Zooming, <clears throat> which seemed state of the art at the time. And then I had my shrink appointment. And then all, you know, and then all in the evenings, I had little hearts next to like yoga, 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 yoga. And I just thought I have no time for myself. <laughs> right? And um, But it was actually, it was around the same time. I was in the middle of a divorce and I was in the bathtub crying as one does. And my voice changed, my inner voice which which often sounds like this upper voice, like yes. the, you know, when the the upper voice voice when the soul really comes through, and I was just going on the same story, like the hurt and the grief and all the things, and my other voice said, "Of course you're hurting." Mm. And, yeah, and I felt that like I don't, and I was just like, it was compassionate, it was witnessing like there's I'm not crazy I'm not a new age failure and then I got out of the tub and I this like it's such a movie right and I looked in the mirror <laughs> and and I thought is everything I'm doing to be well mm. actually helping me to be well that's it and the answer was no it's too much mm. yeah do you feel like your definition of well changed because I think that's what's confusing sometimes because even me over the past couple of weeks I'm doing all the things the breath work I'm going for the nature walks I'm doing the journaling I'm doing all the things that I think are making me well but in my last therapy session I realized I'm not getting to the root of my nervous system actually calming down I'm not actually getting to the depth of soothing the nervous system in my body but I thought I was doing the things that were going to make me feel well we should talk about why I don't do therapy anymore I would love to hear. Yeah. Um, I give full props to the many, many counselors, coaches, psychotherapists, and I'm all for coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm really 
pro have someone in your corner. Yes. And you know, there's there's a very clear delineation between coaching and psychotherapy. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, if I had to do it all over, I would still name my child. I would name my child probably after one of my psychotherapists. I might have more children just so I could name them after the shrinks that saved my life. <laughs> right. Okay. So this is not where I had to stop. I had to. It, I had to stop doing it though. There had to be the end of that phase of that journey. Yeah. Because while it was super helpful at a particular point in time, it was a medicine that worked. Mm -hmm. Medicines lose their e efficacy mm -hmm. over time mm -hmm. because you evolve. And what I noticed was that my, of course, you're going to work on your unhealed bits, but I was really bringing my my ego is really kind of getting off on therapy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, I'm paying this person to listen to my stuff and I'm going to be validated. And not only am I going to be validated, I can say the same story over and over again. I just keep go getting new therapists mm -hmm. and saying yep. the same story. And it actually wasn't moving me forward. I wasn't being... Uh -huh. Well, you don't challenge someone to forgive, but I wasn't being overtly invited to forgive. Mm -hmm. which is really what I want to go for. Mm -hmm. And I just like stirring up the same stuff all the time. Right. And I could see that it was a crutch. It had become a crutch. And I wanted to go it on my own. Mm. And it's scary. It's like, yeah. you know, the ego doesn't want to give up the stuff that's validating sure. it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there'll be more. Now, I've really whittled my life down in terms of all the input mm -hmm. and I feel I feel more sane. Mm -hmm. uh, I do different things with my money. Um, I have time for all the actual nervous system nourishment stuff. Yeah. So the walk in Stanley Park isn't a to do. Right. It's a want to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's so important because when you were talking about your calendar and how you had like this session, this session, then yoga, then yoga, it's all of these are need to do's. It's like my ego needs to do that because if I do that, then I'll feel better. Or if I do that, then I'll understand myself more. And it's like, why can't we just be with ourselves more? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what your recent book, How to Be Loving, is all about because it's not actually about using any sort of practice or therapy modality or whatever to to fix. And so it's really interesting what you're sharing because actually I got into a huge fight with my partner recently because he said, I feel like you're wasting money on therapy. <laughs> and oh, my ego came out like a freaking dragon and was like having to defend like all the things that I've learned and like acquired and all these things. But he basically was saying, but the behavior hasn't changed. Mm. And he wasn't saying it in a mean way to like put me down or demean me. He was just like, maybe like you should just try something else or like maybe just give it up for a bit. Yeah. And he actually said, I feel like you already know a lot of things and now you just need to practice them. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just stunned me because mm -hmm. by continuously showing up to these sessions um, and practitioners, I almost don't ever get the chance to do the application. Mm -hmm. I just keep kicking up like, oh, that's a thing I need to identify or like that's a thing I just learned or that's a thing I need to do. And so what I find is like, I'm on, I'm constantly on the self-improvement wheel mm -hmm. and it's a never ending wheel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've recently heard that voice as well. That voice that comes through in the bathtub mm -hmm. where it's like, when are you just going to 
let yourself be yourself. Yeah. Instead of constantly trying to fix and change yourself. Like what if there's nothing to fix? Yeah. And the most ironic thing about finding myself in the spiritual space was that I thought it would dissolve my ego and it just completely helped me build a new one. Yeah. And it was like getting stronger and stronger with every single modality I add and every book I added to my arsenal. And like, I remember my partner saying like, you're not acting very spiritual. And I'd be like, the spiritual books I've read, I've right. given it all week. Yeah. And it's like, and I went to therapy and I did yeah. this, but it's like, what, where's the practice? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I actually be loving towards myself and practice that forgiveness? And so, I don't know, I'm just really resonating with so much of your journey, how it's been like, I've really kind of let a lot of it go. And so I guess, when did you kind of realize that that was what was necessary? That was the next step? Because if we don't get become aware of it, we just keep adding. Mm. Took a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a process. It's like decluttering, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I really don't need those 10 books. Actually, I don't need 20 of those books and, you know, um, I'd say like the most recent pronounced experience was uh, I got this really esoteric book Mm. and it was one of those experiences. So like I'm on a road trip in hope. I'm at this little plaza, you know, I'm not even, I'm not interested in going to this bookstore. It's all these kind of pulp fiction, paperback books, but my man needs to make a phone call. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll go into this bookstore. And it was one of these these things like, you know, it jumps off the shelf. Yeah. I walk into the store, dude says, everything here today is $10. I'm like, oh, cool. And I open this book. It says, it's a hundred, the price tag was a hundred dollars. And I go like, is this 10 bucks? No, that's actually a hundred dollars. Because <laughs> this guy is just like, really rare, esoteric, everything on um, on all the book traders sites are like oh. rare finds. Okay, so I thought this is the holy grail of esoterica. There's so many answers in here about how chakras work and energy and the astral and all the energy bodies. And there's actually a warning in the book, like, if you're going to enter into this teaching modality, this is going to shake up your life. I mean, he says it in a much more metaphysical, yeah. old school way. And the book, the practices really started to cause me a lot of anxiety. And because I felt like I'm not meditating right. I shouldn't yep. be having sex. I need to withdraw from society. I'm not, you know, I wore my shoes in the house. I'm dragging energy in. All, all the things, all the things, all the things. It was more things. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a real power move for me to just close the book and put it away. Mm. And without any kind of hostility, like it wasn't like, I don't need you. Or I'd look for ways to like bring the teacher down or like Mm -hmm. kill the messenger. It was just like, this isn't great for my nervous system. Mm -hmm. I love myself anyway. I'm not a spiritual weakling. I just need more space right now. Maybe I'll come back to this someday. And I've had similar experiences with different meditation practices. Like really early on in my 20s, I went down the Vipassana route. Mm -hmm. I was living in Seattle and I was meeting with this Vipassana group every Tuesday. And the meditation teacher after a couple of weeks said to me, how's your mind doing? How's the practice? And I thought to myself, I'm going fucking crazy. But I said to her, my mind feels more empty, but my my heart feels dry. Mm. And I had to just admit, like, 
This wasn't my practice. I have so much respect for people who go and watch their in-breath and their out-breath for <laughs> 10 days and, and unplug from our lifestyles, you know? Yeah. It's not Danielle's path. Yeah. And I'm still weeding, and that weeding isn't the right word. I'm still weaning from some dependencies. Like we have an energy healer on our team. She's on payroll. I've been working with her for seven years. Uh, even if she wasn't contributing in some way to the business, she would be my seva. This just the karma, the relationship we mm -hmm. have. And I'm in a kind of new practice. It's very subtle where basically I drew and figured out myself before I go to her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're hiring right now. And I send her information on various people. She gives me a little hit. Helps me make my decision. Very small, but more empowering thing. Before I ask her, I say, this is what I think of candidate one, two, and three. Mm. And sometimes she just says, nailed it. And I go, I got it. Yeah. I didn't need that. Yeah. And other times I get a little extra insight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because this, yeah, the spiritual path has led me to believe for a really long time, like everyone knew something like I didn't. Right. And I was just constantly voraciously consuming knowledge. And so one of the things Gina and I talked about recently was there's a really huge difference though between knowledge and integration. Like I just kept like yes. downloading like spiritual facts and like, yeah, the chakra system and all this stuff. And I've only recently come to that exact realization that I don't think this is helping. And so it's funny that you said the Vipassana. Thanks to your dude saying, you know, you might want yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I was also becoming so egoically charged by the spiritual community too, where like, I actually just had someone recently say this and it really shook me up. And she was like, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but it's like, it's kind of like you're like a Christian leader and you follow only Christian accounts and you only go to Christian community events and you only read Christian books. And it's like, it's not wrong. It's just maybe you need a different perspective. And so for a long time, I was kind of like, whatever, like they don't get it. Like unless like they were having a spiritually focused sort of mindset. And I thought that's so, thank you for calling me out on that and putting me on blast because I have only been in an echo chamber of like other spiritual like comments and perspectives and practices. And like, maybe I do need to listen to my partner who's like not into astrology at all and like just go for a walk or like he'll say all the time, like, I you just taking a nap. And it's like, I'm like, no, I need to do like a five-part breathwork series and like- I gotta burn it. Yeah, I, I gotta do these things. And what, like what you said, it's so interesting. I think that anxiety piece I didn't recognize for a really long time, but it's become so evident. Like, for example, even acupuncture, I go to acupuncture and he says, oh, there's so much chi um, stagnant here. And I'm just like, how do I clear the chi? And then all of a sudden I'm creating more chi stagnation because I'm yeah. like freaking out about it. And so I thought, you know what? Like, I think I just need to relax and know that like, I'm going to be okay somehow. And it's just brought me back to this, like, it's very simple. It's like love and faith. It's like, I don't need to do like a million things to reach the whatever hundred yard line or something until I'm spiritual enough or like healed enough. And I think I would like you to share more too, like how the more doing just creates almost more lack. Nothing gets filled. Mm. The I love, I love all this. Yeah. This is my story. Um, the question is, what are you focusing on? Mm -hmm. And what part of you is making the decision, yes. is making the choices? Exactly. So is it your wounded self that's mm -hmm. choosing to go to yoga? Yeah. Or is it your more healed, loving self mm -hmm. that's going to yoga? And this 
decision lever works for like what you wear and what you eat mm -hmm. and who you're partnered yeah. with and how you show up in a conversation or a sales transaction. Uh, you know, we can, we've all had those endless moments where we walk away and we go, I cannot believe I said that. Yeah. And those moments are, that was your unhealed inner child shadow, just kind of bursting, acting out to either, you know, sabotage you to affirm the illusion that you're not going to get it right, that you're not good. So you never really, you don't expand, right? Yeah. Or it's that wounded part of us just really kind of begging for attention. Mm -hmm. So the the shadow will work through the body and say, I've got this ailment, this pain, this whatever, whatever it is. Are you paying attention to me yet? Yep. Are you going to take the afternoon off yet? Yep. Yeah. Or it'll come through in little psychological isms mm -hmm. where you say the thing you can't believe you said so that what's in your basement is saying you get it now mm -hmm. i'm con i'm trying to control you mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i feel like intention is really everything i mean a couple of weeks ago i was really really stressed out i had so much to do and so I actually thought that what I needed in the moment was just to stay in bed and just curl up and just do nothing. Mm. But then I was like, is that what I need? You know, or is that just my ego? And it takes time to, I think, to differentiate those voices, you know? And so I really got quiet. I asked my heart, like, what do you need? And it just said, go outside. And so I went outside and I had no agenda. I kept on thinking, okay, once I finish this walk, then I can go back and finish these things. So I think when the intention is do this so that you can now go do this other thing versus just go and be, and I'll tell you what to do in the moment and we'll guide you. And I sat in front of the ocean for probably four hours and I just kept on just, I didn't have any music. I didn't have any meditation because even that, my heart was like, no meditation. Mm. no no breath work just go and just be and just let us come to you mm. like let us come to you you just receive and I kept on feeling oh I feel better now you know the first bit I didn't feel any better and my heart was like that's okay just be so I just kept sitting and then I started to feel better and my mind was like you're good to go now we can go back to the meetings so I started to get up and then I was like wait ask my heart are you ready to leave and heart said sit back down we're not done yet mm. And it was just the first time that I was able to actually hear my heart. I thought what my mind was saying was my heart because it was like very loving. You're good now. You're relaxed. You can go back. You've got this. It was kind of like that voice, but my heart was like, we're not, we're not ready. And I think listening to the heart is such a cliche thing to say, you know, follow your heart. So we would love for you to explain how do you do that? And how do you know when it's your heart? Mm. That's so beautiful. Oh, I want to hold your head. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Everything is it. Like just the constant referencing. Mm. Is this my heart? Heart, heart, heart. I'm going to tune into my heart. Many opinions. What's my heart got to say? Mm. Am I really ready? What's my heart got to say? It's like, you know, that voice that said, let's go. You're good now. It's not exactly loving. It's encouraging. Yes. <laughs> it's encouraging. Yes a particular kind of behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes what you do need is to stay in bed. Yeah. 
but you asked, is this really what I need? Exactly. And this is a practice. Like I think in the self-help space, we think, I'm going to master these five steps. I'm going to take this workshop and I'm going to have this new way of behaving in every area of my life. Mm -hmm. And it isn't that. It's just this heart referencing all the time. It's back. It's back. It is really like a breath. It's back. It's back. And referencing the heart is counterculture mm-hmm. because we live in our head. I mean, you said something very interesting before that you'd, you'd both gotten on the same page that knowledge isn't application or integration. Yeah. yeah. There's a quote that yes. we say that words don't teach, but experience does. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. so many people know the thing. Yeah. But then, yeah, you're not living that. There's something even deeper than that, which is so words obviously don't teach. Mm-hmm. Experience, sure. Absolutely, it helps. But soul mm-hmm. underneath that, heart mm-hmm. knows underneath that. Because you can have you, you can have the wisdom that's really like a soul quality without ever having the experience. Yeah. Like we're born knowing how to be kind. Mm, We're taught how to not be kind to get our way. Wow. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So what you're really talking about when you talk about knowledge is knowledge is of the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, There are lots of, quote, simple people who are incredibly wise. Mm -hmm. And we they get discounted. You listen to most spiritual teachers, which is why, like, I can remember thinking, and it like years ago, like the Dalai Lama is so boring. I think that too, right? <laughs> this is so not edge. Oh, well, I used to think that about Eckhart. Right? <laughs> he talks so, so slow. Whoa, right? <laughs> um, it's simple. Yeah, they're all saying the same things. Yeah, and you know, and you'd even mention. I forget your second word, but you were like, it's love and something. And I'm in a a similar place right now where it's like, you know, I have all my words for my manifestation, my meditation practice. And I'm just like, Danielle, it's just love and beauty. Yes. That's it this year. That's it every year. It's just love and beauty. Love is going to incorporate ease and service and seva. And, you know, and beauty incorporates all those things too and expansion. I was just like, it's love and beauty. Is this loving? Yes. Can I make it beautiful? I mean, I have a whole metaphysical definition of beauty, but yes. Okay, let's go. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. I love that. I think I said, yeah, like love and fear, which I've really begun to identify like vibrationally is just like open or closed. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like contracted or open, um, safe, unsafe. And so I love that you said wounded self and healed self because Anything that we do, I teach this to my clients too, like anything we do from the wound itself, from the not enough wound, from that contraction, that fear, nothing actually obtained or achieved through that wounding feels like less wounding. It's like it's like needing more money because you feel like you're not enough without money. Well, then as soon as you get money, you're just like, well, now I need to keep the money or double the money or like I become I become very stingy about the money. There's no freedom there. Yeah. It actually makes the wound deeper. Yeah. Like, yeah, a visual is, you know, you've got this hole in the ground. This is your wounded self. You can throw money into it. It's going to get deeper. You can throw your car into it and all mm-hmm. these relationships. And it's still everything is focused on this gaping hole. Yeah. And when you pay too much attention to the shadow, the shadow just grows. It gets very tricky. You know, I write about this in How to Be Loving. Like, where is the 
best place for the ego to hide. Spirituality. Literally. Yes. <laughs> Self-help workshops. Yes. I mean, you think about what's the most evil stuff that's done other than child sex trafficking? It's murder in the name of God. Mm. Right? Like, it's so, it's, spirit gets all twisted. And, and what I'm coming to is, I've gotten this conceptually for a long time, but, you know, it's all God. Yeah. And God is in the voice of the person I don't want to get the advice from. Mm -hmm. And God is in, you know, there's a, the same guy with the face tattoos on the corner of Denman and Berkeley every morning outside of Tim Hortons asking for money. And I just think, what's, who, how is he being God today? Is it my, he's reminding me to love? Mm. Or um, I used to think, actually, Linda's from another homeless living guy. Uh, there's a gentleman who's often outside of Scotiabank Theater, mm. and he's always shirtless any day of the year. It can be <laughs> pouring rain, and he's begging for money. And um, I thought to myself, and I've tried to give him, I've tried to give him a coat, I've given him money, all these things. And I just thought, obviously, you know, maybe mental illness. And I thought, how do I know his soul didn't very specifically choose this journey as like some kind of spiritual warriorship? Yeah. Like, because, I, you know, I've been to India seeing people who on behalf of the divine are doing what he's doing. Yeah. And they're not called crazy. They're called monks yeah. or aesthetics or, That's you so know. True. And I just thought, Maybe he is burning eons of karma. Maybe he's generating so much soul expansion, but being able to, he's Wim Hof in his way through life, <laughs> sitting in the rain and the snow, shirtless. Like, I just don't know. And that really helped me reframe my judgment mm -hmm. around people's suffering. I'm just like, mm -hmm. you're less than, uh, you haven't gotten it yet because you're still in this suffering loop. I do not know that. And then there's just, you know, Danielle, just be, be I, I mean, I thought I nailed it because I was being so compassionate, but there was a whole level there I hadn't seen yet. Yeah. And this is all about like, everything is spiritual. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. This is actually so funny. It really is in alignment with a story that I experienced recently or an experience I had. It was, um, it was towards the end of summer, I want to say like two years ago. And I was really tired from working and I just thought like, I'm just gonna go to Kitts Beach and just like walk around and like sit on a log and just be with myself. And I saw this homeless guy and I've seen him there before. He like showers in the, there's like a public shower that's just mm -hmm. outside, he showers there. He like sits there and he has this dog. And I was kind of going through that same sort of rotation of thoughts where I was kind of like, wow, like this guy just kind of like lives outside like doesn't have a lot. And then I thought, wait a second, does he think I'm crazy? because I'm so attached to like all of these things that I think that I need in order to feel like I'm like living well and whatever. Like I thought about him and I was like, that is pure detachment. Yeah. Like this person with such few belongings and you know, a little bit of love between him and his dog and just being in the elements. And I thought, you know, I spent hours and hours and hours slaving away, working, working, working so that I could basically do what he does all freaking day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just, yeah. it just made me look at myself and I was like, yeah. I'm not, better than this person because I like have a home or whatever. I was like, we're on 
spirit, we're both on spiritual journeys, but I thought, wow, like that was the first time I really thought like, I think maybe he has something figured out that I don't. Maybe he just decided to like exit this like matrix of conditioning. It was like, F that. I'm not going to work for someone. I'm not going to feel like I need to be better or fix myself. He's like, I'm just going to literally enjoy myself. And I saw him and he's just like sitting there with his dog, like watching the sunset. And I thought, wow, we're both getting to experience this like free gift from God. Yet like I'm over here, like you got to get back to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a humbling moment where I thought like, wow, like how can I create more of maybe that in my life? Because, you know, this beautiful gift of like sunrise, sunset, it's like, I don't have to pay for that. Mm-hmm. I can just mm-hmm. walk outside. It's like, it's mm-hmm. for all humans to enjoy. It's, it's us. And so, I don't know, I love that share because I think ev- everything is spiritual and there's no, there's no hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the stuff is spiritual too. Like I've, I've, been tortured by both sides. Yeah. So I used to really want the purse. Yeah. <laughs> that was her. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know how it goes, right? It's whatever it is. It's the purse. It's the car. It's the thing. And I so I'm not a car person, but I'm going to get the purse. I got the car. And then I went to get the purse. And you envision yourself with the thing. Yeah. And how when you walk into the room with the thing, everybody going to know. Everybody knows you got the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got it together because you had to work to get that thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I'm in the wisdom business. So everybody can know how excessively wise I am because I'm so wise I could afford the thing. <laughs> and <laughs> lots of people think I'm wise yeah. and I was able to buy that silly thing. And I couldn't bring myself to buy the thing. So... Uh, not that I'm enlightened, but I just like, nah, this doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And the the flip side of that is also I've been tortured by thinking I should live a more um, austere life. Mm-hmm. And I live pretty simply now, and there's lots of things I let go of and all these things. But, you know, I still want to make more money than ever. Mm-hmm. Want to have more impact than ever, make more money than ever to do different things that I've wanted to do in the past. Mm-hmm. And if that shall be, then cool. If not, I'm no longer questioning how wise I am. Yeah. Right? right? And I used to think, for me, it was always, I need to drop out of the game and shave my head and give all my stuff away and just get off of social and live with, I mean, this is so telling of where this is coming from, live with the pain of being unknown. Wow. And that comes from this, I mean, we're getting really deep now, but it's like, this comes from this paradigm I've had for a long time that there is a punitive God. Yes. And what you think of God how you think God is treating you is how you're going to treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's how you see the world. Yeah. And I am a longtime overworker. Mm-hmm. Now when I overwork, because I'm becoming, I mean, one would hope, right? I'm becoming more aware. I don't want to use the word sensitive because I don't identify as a highly sensitive person. But, you know, I'm becoming more aware and my capacity to sense is, uh, you know, better than it used to be. And I think, well, what's in the way of my sensing? Like, do I need to get rid of more things? And it's like, no, Danielle, it's just ask your heart if you need the thing. You can take pleasure in the thing. Is my 
wounded self that's waiting to be punished, yeah. making this choice to punish me. Yeah. Like I've been going to this yoga studio. I'm not going to name names because we're all in the same city. <laughs> but I really dislike it. Yeah. And my my shadow self has been pushing me to go. Like, Danielle, you haven't been on the map for a while. And you finally found a place that's really close, just around the block, you know. And And at the same time, I know everything's energy. The energy in this place, for me, is not great. I'm not going anymore. Like, I just told my man this morning, I'm like, we ain't. You know what? They don't even let you cancel. And, you know, <laughs> fuck that app. I don't like fake. You know, I got like my first text from the studio. And and I just turned to my guy and I said, this is not yoga. <laughs> this text, this tone, yeah. this is a, a business. Yeah. This is not yoga. Mm-hmm. And then we got into this great argument. This is, I'm just going to talk about this so I can affirm how right I am. <laughs> um, well, if we got to this, I just want the world to know if I ever open a yoga studio, well, you're all invited. And I'm never going to open a yoga studio. But the door will always be open. Right. And if you come five minutes late, you can still get on the mat. Yeah. If you come five minutes before class is over, you can still come. Because I think if you're there to practice, you really need it. Yeah. And now the other argument is, I don't want people to disturb my practice. And you got to move mountains to get there on time. And you're interrupting the group. And, you know, my man was saying like, Danielle, this is your selfish nature of just like, you can intrude on the group and everyone is going to make room for your mat. And I was like, babe, you got a point. <laughs> me just, you know, and I was like, come on, you know me well enough. I'll take the back corner. Right. Um, but I'm still holding firm. Yeah, you're still. <laughs> yeah. I, I love what you mentioned. My first yoga teacher, um, she was she was not one of the yogis that I saw on Instagram. Like, because I thought I wanted to get into yoga because I wanted to be cute. I wanted to be in all the handstand poses and I wanted to be like an aloe yoga ambassador. That's kind of what got me into it. But I'm so grateful that my first studio was not that vibe. It was a very, it was a lot of older women, actually. I would say like 60s plus and my teacher was about 70 years old. And as soon as I discovered yoga, my ego loved it and was like, I'm going to come every day. And I actually told her, I'm going to be your most committed student is actually what I said. And she was kind of like, okay. Like she doesn't really, <laughs> she doesn't really care whether I show up or not. And then I remember there's a couple of days where I couldn't make it. I was still in school. And so I missed it for exams and I showed up and I was actually like so apologetic. I was like, I'm so sorry that I haven't been coming to classes. Like I said, I was going to come. And she was like, Yoka just cares that you're here right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and also she mm-hmm. made me realize that like yoga is not counting and tallying up all the classes that you've been to. Like, because I was trying to basically like get myself to like a level of mastery where I would basically call myself a yogi. And she was like, you're a yogi because you're here right now. And you're not a yogi when you're not here. But also like the, you're a yogi like in your life and daily practice. Yeah, living like, yoga client. But I was so like just caught up in like needing to be yogi by coming every single day and like committing to the practice. And she just kept reminding me just so gently like, it's just fine that you're here right now. Mm-hmm. And I would even say things like, I really didn't like how like today's class wasn't as strong as like yesterday's class. And she was like, there's only today's class. Oh my gosh, she had you nailed. She had me freaking <laughs> nailed because I was so, I still lived with so much memory and ego of the past. You know, ego can only exist with this time, right? Of like mm-hmm. comparison from like today's class to yesterday's class. Whereas yoga is really bringing me to the now and the present. So she was like, there is no other class. Like there's just, the one that you're taking, like there's the one that you're showing up to, which really made me realize that's life. 
There's just this day that I'm showing up to. And there's just this moment that I'm showing up in. And I get to apply whatever tools and insights to this moment. But, you know, it's, it's so the ego wants to use like past experiences and it, it wants to like look even with the bag it's like it wants to like acquire things to like make itself big instead of realizing i think that the bigness is just this moment mm-hmm. just that you're here and I feel like um, the ego just comes up with the easiest measuring stick to yeah. keep on finding how you're going to measure up and so we're constantly in the state of doing something so that we can meet that marker and then when you realize there is no ruler there's there's no measuring stick no one's counting yeah there is no ruler there's no ruler there's no spoon no there's no ruler yeah there's there's nothing being measured it's just the ego and that's why now my question to myself is how does spirit see this and you know what your book would say like how does heart see this because i can identify right away what does ego feel about this right it's right there Ego's like, you weren't as good as yesterday. But heart's like, how are you feeling? Okay, let's double down on ego. Let's do it. Hey, listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside of our free Spiraling Higher community. It's our favorite place on earth, and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue this conversation long after the episode ends, because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. So this is another thing. When you get far enough into self-help culture, we move into the conversation around ego, Mm -hmm. but the tone is about overcoming yeah yes um obliterating death. uh ego death. Ego, death. ego death yes the ego is not the enemy yeah this is the thing so the most useful metaphor i've come up with is that the ego is your mind baby mm-hmm. oh we, we talk that we talk about it all the time it's your baby it's it's a little baby. you created it yes so you created it why would you want to ostracize or kill Mm -hmm. anything that you created. It's your mind, the ego and the mind. I mean, the mind really is ego. Mm -hmm. And the mind is also the most, I mean, I love this word, the most numinous, effervescent tool to create this reality. Ideally, we're creating a reality. We're using the mind on behalf of love, like create good things. Yeah. Meaning things that are beneficial to all beings. Yeah. Right. So I used to think, um, my shadow self was this dark seductress. She was so manipulative mm-hmm. and I needed to teach her a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, we needed to vanquish her. Yep. And isn't that, it's like, I kind of want to cry. Just think of it as like this significant half of me, if not more than half of me, part of me that I just wanted to ream on, you know? And now... What I say is, you know, I catch myself being unhealed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I catch myself being human. And I know I just say, I kind of shrug now. The shrug is so different than stabbing, right? Totally. And I just say, oh, I was egoing. I was ego. That reminds me so I much just of forgot kids, who I was. Right? Yes. Because kids, you know, if my daughter's upset about, I don't know, her friend says something to her, I'm not like, 
you idiot. You know, it's like she's being a kid. She's, of course, going to ha- be sad about that. It, it makes sense. But it's so funny how we are yeah. so quick to hating this part of ourselves. But it it's there for a reason. And it's funny. We've definitely gone through the road of ego is villain. Ego's a bitch. We need to get rid of her. But I think it is like ego too needs to be loved. And I think the purpose of the ego is protection. Yeah. So when you see that, even in my own mom, I mean, we have a lot of mother wounds. But so much of my healing with my mom has been understanding that even though she drives me crazy and says some things that are not the best parenting style, like that too is coming from protection and love. And so I feel like, would you agree that ego, like is ego's intention underlying love, but it's just terrible parenting style or you know what I mean? (laughs) Is that what it could be? Well, I think the ego is trying to protect itself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I want to be separate. Mm. I want to be a thing, but it's, it doesn't have uh, this higher agenda to protect you. Yeah. It's because really, really, when you get underneath it, you actually don't need the protection. Yeah. You just, I mean, this is really meta, but it's like, you just are. Yep. And what you hear will affect you in any way. Mm -hmm. You might be hurt one day by what your parent says, and you love the hurt, and you go, oh, that's just a cloud going through my sky. I was hurt. But I'm still this fundamental substance of soul and energy. So I think when we move into the ego protects me, we're focusing on that hole that we dug, like I need protection. Yeah. And I relate to that as well. Like I've I've been to all these markers. It's so great to be like mm-hmm. the three of us, mm-hmm. right? Is And not that I have it nailed or, uh, but I relate. It's that um, I used to walk through the world thinking I needed to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so always saging or one more protection prayer or mm-hmm. I mean the crystal. I had a beautiful home mm-hmm. that I never let anybody into. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a metaphor for life. It's like I just don't want anybody else's energy mm-hmm. on my hardwoods and in this <laughs> space. And if somebody would come over, I would sage immediately after, like, ooh. And, you know, but here I am, this loving person, welcome it. And like all this stuff. I and it affected my dating life. It's like post-divorce time to get back out there and I just like bring it on I want my soulmate but don't even try right yeah here don't mess with my energy yeah like who's gonna contend with this mm-hmm. and now it's been I'll tell this is the the lever because I know you're gonna ask how did I go from the before to the current after which is everybody is welcome into my home come for tea bring people I don't know I'm kind of doing these Sunday sermons in my living room, you know, last year, um, all the things. And then I went, I was like, I'll date anybody kind of ish, right? <laughs> I'll go, you know, like I'll swipe right or left or whatever it was. <laughs> and I learned to be gentle with myself. Yeah. And it was life circumstances bringing me to my knees mm-hmm. where the medicine was, I had to treat myself like I was the baby. Yep. And am I going to stay in bed today or am I going to get out into nature? Mm-hmm. Um, it was super anguish, agonizing, terrible time. And am I grateful for it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what brings us all here. And that's what we're, I love what Eckhart says of, you know, that the experience that you're having is 
meant for you because you're having it. I know. <laughs> so simple. So simple. But it's so true. It's so true. And um, yeah, with the ego, I've definitely adopted kind of a, a dialogue with it where I just kind of say they're there. I'm like they're there. It's mm. kind of like the baby thing, right? It's like they're there. I hear you. I see you. Instead of trying to get away with it because it was using the spirituality against me too, right? Where I was like, okay, like, why do I still have the ego? Like, why is it still there? Oh, it's getting louder today. I must meditate more. Um, but I find saying there, there helps to soothe it. So I still hear it. It's just, I think that the voice that I'm tuned into louder now is from my heart. But it it's very tricky sometimes because if you're not in an aligned state, then it's very easy for your heart to sound like, your mind. It, 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 I find that switch sometimes to be very, very um, quick where I won't catch it right away. And then later I'll be like, do I really even want to do this? And sometimes, yeah, like you said, like laying it down in bed, or I think we've talked about this too, about taking action. You know, sometimes maybe the most loving thing to do is to do nothing. But sometimes the most loving thing to do could be to take action. Totally. But then it's like, am I doing that because I feel like I have to, or am I you know, but I think it just goes back to you have to really get still to hear mm -hmm. the answer because when you're even asking that question, yeah. you're in your mind. There's no, the heart won't strive. Yes. Oh, so ooh, I love that. You know it's right for the moment when there's no proving. Mm. What's right is right. And maybe the heart is going to say, speak your piece, get on stage, do the thing. It's like kind of bigger. Right. But you just, it's not to prove that you're like worthy of anything yeah you're just doing it to do it yeah yeah oh my goodness i love um a little bit ago you talked about how there's really nothing to protect yourself from there's just like mm -hmm. like you just are and like you're okay and um i recently had a coaching call with a client where we i was essentially asking the ego to to give up all of its false illusions of control right kind of like but if i do x this many times per week. And if I do, then then I actually can control this sort of outcome that basically makes her feel safe, whether it be like, this is going to be the income at the end of the week if I do this. This will be like what I weigh at the end of the week if I do this. And when we kept getting to the root of it, her fear was like, but if I don't do that, then I'll lose control. And I was like, but you never had it anyways. Mm -hmm. And like that was just, even for me, as I was saying it, I was realizing that's so true because I'm over here like egoing my way to try to control every single possible outcome and realizing that never actually does anything. I just I just get in my own way and I just experience so much non-peace. And so, you know, for someone I feel like I feel like a lot of people listening to us now are kind of almost like on the cusp of where you've now jumped off into, right? Where you're like everything is divine. I don't need to control and fix, right? But for that person who's kind of towing that line of like, but the, these practices, continuous to go into therapy, meeting my astrologer every month, like going to yoga five days a week, like these make me feel like I'm gonna be safe. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I uncover with myself. Cause like I actually recently had a disc injury and I like, can't do all the workout things, started freaking out. And I was like, wow, yes, there it is. It's, I did not realize that my ego was trying to control my size and all these things until I couldn't do it anymore. And then mm -hmm. like, so I almost think like when those things happen, it's a really good thing because like you said, it's revealing what's in the basement. Cause mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, like I'm freaking out. Like this is crazy, right? My analogy for that, like the, the mind, uh, I wanna just take it one notch higher. 
what's happening is the soul is helping you throw out your disc. <laughs> yeah. Because you're, you know, you learn through your body. Most yeah. people learn through their body. But like, for me, you know, you couldn't work out brings all this into question. When I had my dark night, I couldn't be wise. I had to, I just called my team and was just like, I can't show up. You, you got to take the wheel with Jesus. So it will get you where you are really thinking you're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets yeah. you to give up the thing that you have just, yeah, the thing that you've taken on as a part of yourself that makes you identity. feel it. Identity. It's identity. And yes. so I feel like I'm I'm constantly having to break up with my identity. And it's like, mm, that's great. I, I just, I feel like I just keep having many dark, like literally every month. Who knows who you're going to be next year? <laughs> Literally, let me like next week. Literally every month, week, it's like mini deaths. It's just like, oh, I got to give that up too. And I got to give that up too. And so, yes. you know, I find like on this journey, a lot of people are trying to like add tools, practices, insights. And that's a beautiful time of knowledge acquisition. But it's really like the integration is like letting it all go again. Holy. And so it's been the funniest journey because I feel like I've spent, and you've spent like decades, but I've spent like six, seven years of just like constantly like downloading shit into my brain and then like, you know, egoically acting it all out to make sure that like, I know X and I feel this. And, I, and then I'm like, really all that just to have to like, let it go. Really? <laughs> it's like, so don't care about anything and just love myself. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like if someone had asked me for like, hydrate. Yeah. And hydrate. <laughs> exactly. Like if someone had asked me a year ago, like what I knew on my spiritual, but I would have given them like a dissertation. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, it would have been like doctoral PhD shit on like everything that I like acquired, learned, realized. And I feel like if someone would ask me now, I'd just be like, just gotta love yourself and trust the journey. Like, it's so basic. And it's like, I didn't want that answer though in the beginning. Yeah, it's not very sexy. Yeah, it's like, well, because then you're like, okay, okay, love myself, how, how do I do that? Yeah, and then you're, you're going, I know, okay, I'll be like, so what's step one? That's what I and did, I don't know when it's done. That's what I did at Danielle's event. I yeah. really stood up and asked a question. <laughs> do you, and do you remember what I said? You said to treat yourself like a five-year-old. Yeah. When I said, so how do I love myself? Notes at the ready. Yes. <laughs> right. It's like, how, how do I do it though? Looking and, amazing uh, also. Mm, yeah. 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 How do I do it? And it's just by embodying it, I suppose. There's nothing, I think there's nothing, we can't perform love, I think is what I'm realizing. It's that you have to just be love. Yeah. Gentle, 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 mm -hmm. gentle, gentle. And it's hard because everything is so counter to that. It's like, it's the simple things like I really want to push away from my desk by six o'clock every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a pattern now where I don't start until 10. But we had to like, oh, to make that we had to put it on the calendar has to be called, you know, first three hours of the day, Danielle wellness time, like no one, everybody, 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 you don't expect anything from me until 10 a.m. It's, it's just like, I didn't even need to do that. I could just show up at 10. I didn't need to <laughs> announce it, you know, like, yeah. um, and the mind comes in right at six o'clock. One more thing, one, five more emails, or get to the yoga class that I don't relate to, or all the things. And just in these last few weeks, say you're really getting me at a good time for gentleness, because I've been very sick over the winter. Mm. And for those listening, um, Sam came to hear me speak. And this is such a great example of like, it's my book launch in the city that I live in. It's a big deal. Not because there's 4,000 people, but this is my hometown. Yeah. You know, I found and, that it was a big deal for you. Yeah. Just like it, it was friends. 
And I was so fried by that night. I had like one vocal cord left. And I to get there, literally, I brushed my hair and put on a kimono and went. Like, and you looked fabulous. <laughs> but normally there'd be a whole situation happening. And all of that is the culmination of not listening to my inner child. Mm. Of It starts with, we've got to have a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I've done this enough times. I know how to play that game. Now I've got to be the bitch of the algorithm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to play the algorithm game. And that is like a recipe for not, that is such a wheel of suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just not, there was nothing, there wasn't a lot of gentleness. And it was just this extreme lesson as the lessons come finally mm-hmm. extreme of just like, you've got to change how you work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my voice is my most important thing for both my heart and my ego. Mm. And if that's in jeopardy, I'm not paying attention. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And this happens, you know, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your partner. When that's jeopardized, you are not listening. Yeah. Well, I know right away when I've just, I used to just be in a constant state of hyper arousal, adrenaline, just that was my baseline. And so I was just always snappy. So I didn't, I was like, that's just my personality. Like yeah. I just annoyed and that was annoying that you said that. And that's not me, that's just how I am. And it's not my fault. Uh-huh. Well, I know why, right? It, I blamed it on the trauma, on like the in, the, the thing that happened as, as a child. And I just accepted that as who I was, identity. right? That was my identity. And it just kept perpetuating that story. And I kept stepping into that role. And then as we do this work and we start to realize that actually isn't my true nature. Right. And then I started to experience life here. And I'm like, oh, like, do other people live like this? Like, is this how it's supposed to feel? And so now my barometer or like my my signal or the sensors for stress are so much more sensitive. So even if I smell a little bit of stress or overwhelm, it's like my my body's alarm just kind of goes off. Um, and it's just allowing me, I think, again, to listen more to the body where we've been just so conditioned to listen to the mind and the external things. And I think one of the hardest things about this journey is honestly being in the world with people who don't live like that. Because like you said, for you to take three hours in the morning, you got to let everybody know, or we think we got to let everybody know. And it's not normal, mm-hmm. you know, to say, well, I just need three hours this morning to, you know, like we're trying to normalize it now. But I've noticed that even this morning I was dealing with somebody on the phone that was very masculine energy, very intense, very aggressive. So it's hard sometimes to stay in that central channel and stay in that loving nature when you're constantly being people are poking the bear mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah and i think like the what you need question too like the answer to it constantly changes because yes i used to think that i needed a three and a half hour morning routine mm-hmm. and i was attached as hell to this routine like if anything was amiss like and i remember i would have the phone and like do not disturb and it's like i'm I'm doing the yoga first, and then the breath work, and then the nature walk. Then I got to do a little bit of the journaling. Then I got to pull a tarot card. And it's like, finally, the, in the past year, I was like, is that necessary? Mm-hmm. And I started asking myself, like, 
do I actually feel good after this? Like, do, do I actually feel more clear? And like, how would I feel if maybe I just like slept an extra two hours and only had like one hour and like didn't do any of that and maybe just got ready? Mm. And so I started like experimenting with that because I think truly like life is an experiment. Like try it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. But I was like, I should just try like not doing that. And initially there was some resistance to it because it was like just judgments. It was just in my mind like, oh, you're not doing, you know, you're not breathing today. Like you're not keeping up with your practice, things like that. And I was like, okay. But then I realized towards mm, like end of the week or so, I was like, I don't think I needed all that. Like all of that was honestly just ego. And so I think like none of these practices, obviously we're not saying that they're wrong. Like I still use a lot of them and you've used a lot of them, but it's like, it's just, it's about knowing which one, who's doing it. Mm-hmm. It's about the intention. Who like, is why, doing it? What's driving it? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you, why are you doing it? Because even like you were saying, if somebody invites me to speak at, I don't know, event, right away, my brain's like, no, like we're too scared. But then sometimes my ego says yes, so that it can feel better. But then it's like, is that my heart? Am I stretching out of my comfort zone? Is it? So sometimes the answer is yes, go up on that stage and go to the edge and stretch yourself. But sometimes it's no, because it's just not aligned for me. And not having to justify or explain it to anyone else. That's another big thing. I stopped talking to so many people about things mm-hmm. because it kind of, I kept checking, well, what do you think? I remember, I think I asked you, so like, what are my gifts? And like, what like, am I good at? <laughs> like, what's my calling? What do you think? I remember I asked you. And I didn't answer. I was like, I don't, I'm not gonna answer that question. I said, <laughs> yes, that's for you. It's like, well, that's what, your work. If you, this, if you were me, like, what would you say the gifts are? Which I think is so funny. And on the three hour morning routine thing, I actually used to be very triggered by my, my by, by your routine by your three hours because I have a kid, mm. and I was like, oh my god, it's going to be like another five years before I can do that. <laughs> and so then I thought, okay, well, how am I going to get three hours in my day to get to that level of being connected to myself? Which is so hilarious. Because and I wasn't even that connected to myself. Well, I think sometimes <laughs> you were. Sometimes you guys are great. I just think it's again, it's it's such a fine line because sometimes the meditation walks. I'm not a nature person. Okay, my husband thinks it's hilarious that now I'm like I need to be outside <laughs> because I used to be like drapes closed. I just wanted to be in darkness all the time. Um, and now I I like hug the trees. I talk yeah. to the trees. I talk to the ocean. Me and the sky have this whole relationship going on. He just thinks it's hilarious, but. You know, what started as a very loving spiritual practice of going in and just getting so much wisdom turned into, I need to go to the forest to get the answer. I need to go in and find out what this guy is going to tell me. And it turned what was supposed to be loving into this expectation of perform for me Mm -hmm. instead of like, can you just let us be? And actually, I heard that I was in Sydney over the weekend and that's what I heard the sky say was, can we just be without having to be something for you? And then I was like, oh shit, okay. And then they were saying to me, can you just be without expecting anything from you? And so I just spent so much time just being. Yeah, being. That's what they say. It's all about being, not doing. And it's like, how do I stop like trying to get, like, I think a lot of us are thinking like, what can I get out of this? Right. Like, what can I get out of writing like a transaction? Yeah. Yes. What can I get out of writing this book or what can I get out of creating this content or what can I get out of going to this workout? And it's like, I just have realized I don't like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to try to get things, get things out of a thing. I like, just, can the thing be enough? Can can going to yoga be enough for to just do yoga? Why does it have to be anything other than that? Yeah. You know, and I think about my daughter all the time Like she's taking piano lessons and I told the teacher no exams. 
No testing. I don't want any quizzes. I just want her to come and learn for the sake of learning. You know, it's like counter tiger mom. I love it. Oh, I'm my I had a major tiger mom and I'm just seeing through raising my daughter how the conditioning happens. You know, it's so obvious. And it's funny because she teaches me all the time. I tell the story I just told you about her in art class. So she's in art class. She loves drawing. But objectively, her art, like when you look at it, you can tell which one's hers, right? She doesn't like to color everything in. She has her own style. So when I look at that, I'm like, I love it because she created it. And I see her in that, right? Not because like, you better make five of these because we got to monetize or, you know, (laughs) this could be a business if you tried harder, right? But that's what we do to ourselves. To ourselves. It's like, why can't I, like, even if I make a post before it was like, well, is this good? Just do other people think it's good? But now I can look at it and think, I just love it because I created it. Mm -hmm. And I was able to learn that from loving well, my daughter created because it would be the equivalent of me being like, well, if theirs is better than yours, which would be so crushing for her, but we're doing that to ourselves all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been a journey. And I don't, I don't know where I'd be without my kid because mm-hmm. I think she's just been the biggest mirror of seeing how, what that self-talk does because I would never say that to her. Mm-hmm. But I find it so much easier to love her unconditionally than myself, which I think is the journey that we're on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I have learned more about how life loves, God loves through being a mother. Yes, me too. You know, just like unconditional is possible. Yeah. And when I am my best self, I think, oh, that's how God loves. Man, just as is. Yeah, and as is. And I think, I think we have to forgive ourselves too for like being so neurotic, right? Like, you know, needing to get something out of something and do this and get to this place because, you know, actually a lot of our mothers did love us like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have a, a few people in my life who had like, actually my partner's one of them, had like actually unconditionally loving mothers, like mm-hmm. just, just beacons of like love and light, like nothing but love, like never judgment. Honestly, there are times in my life where I think my husband's mom should judge us. I'm like, you know, I'm like, don't be forgiving of that. But she's just a constant like outpouring of love. And it's interesting the way we move through darkness or like dark spots. You know, I'm constantly shaming myself, I think, or the ego is shaming me for going through that instead of like the of course, right? Mm-hmm. But his his um, motto is always, of course. Mm-hmm. He's like, of course, I feel like this. He's like, I'm just a human or like, this is natural. And I'm like, I'm realizing now that those dark clouds that we experience. So Danielle says in her book that we are the sky mm-hmm. and everything we experience emotionally is a passing cloud. But I think that when I believe I'm the cloud or maybe even believing that the cloud means something about me as the sky. Or trying or, to get the cloud Or to trying move. to get the cloud to move. That's what causes so much suffering because I'm looking at these other people in my life who just don't have the same emotionally suffering experience as I do of a dark moment. Mm. You know, he can just kind of move through it because he is being like literally the loving awareness. He's like, yeah, this is just something that happens and it'll pass. And so I used to think people like that were naive, <laughs> right? I was like, come on, analyze it more, suffer a little more that. No, that is, I mean, we're oversimplifying it, but it sounds like that's the result of just love poured on your nervous system. 
And now he just says to you, you know, you just take a nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because just being feels passive. Yeah. Right? It feels like, so just do nothing. Like, it feels like, like give it all or us. But here's the reframe for being. It's all about receptivity. Mm-hmm. So while you're being, you're actually getting contact with the universal mind, yes. which is what everybody wants to tap into, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. You're actually dancing with life. You're yeah. dancing. Yeah. And I mean, the most pure, radiant activity is happening in stillness and silence. And then you you are that, you're in that, and then you take it out in your interactions to the world, yeah. It's, there's nothing, and also like this idea of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. It's not lazy at all. You have to be, you have it's to really pay, it's very intelligent. Yeah, you have to pay such close attention to go with the flow. Yeah. Oh, this way, this way, oh, I sense, oh, a little to the left, oh, take this phone call, eat the, oh. So powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going against it is so futile. Like so futile. Mm-hmm. So um energy inefficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Danielle, you're just you blow my mind. Yeah, you both are so lovely. <laughs> There's it's great. One part of your book that I really love when you say when you when you're overflowing with loving awareness, it seals off the access points to negativity. Mm-hmm. I really love that because I think that is, we talked about this actually in our last episode or in the first episode of this season where I have like a major fear of being seen and, you know, and Sam was like, oh, you seem like you're like totally confident now. And I was like, no, I'm not at all. But there's so much more love that it has sealed off some of those access points that that fear would have come in. Mm-hmm. So I really love what you shared there. How can we how do we access more of that loving awareness? Like, where do people start? For a lot of people, it's so foreign, right, mm-hmm. to be in loving awareness. So where can, where do people start? Well, I want to say something really esoteric for a second. So about sealing those access points where negativity could come in, we need to understand how thought and energy works. Mm-hmm. So everything is magnetic in nature. And so imagine that you have one negative thought and it's like a little, it's like a little energy ball. It probably looks like a little lead marble, you know, it's heavy. Um, Like attracts like. Mm -hmm. So you have one miserable thought, then, oh, all these other miserable thoughts come in, all these reasons you should be miserable. So that's happening in your own consciousness and being. But it's happening in the energy field as well. Mm -hmm. So all of these, you could say like ghost-like disembodied energies, thought clouds floating around in the office, in the street, in the world are looking for similar vibration. Mm -hmm. This is why if you are miserable, you will attract someone at the cafe who was just as miserable as you that day. Because magnetism. Mm -hmm. So... When you think about, this goes back to your point about protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. If you walk through the world thinking, I need to protect myself from my own negative thinking and everybody else's negativity, you're putting attention on the negativity. I know. Yes. And you you will get more occasions where actually protecting yourself is necessary. Yeah. But the point about sealing it off, I think, is really important because... Your 
love, your radiance, what you are using, the power of your mind to focus on, your light, really, this is the light of consciousness, is repelling all that negativity. Mm. Because it is, this, this is, this is the point I'm getting to, that negative energy is looking for a place to land. Yeah. And it will enter any way it can enter. Mm. It will enter through a really violent movie or a shitty mainstream song. You just listen to the messaging of most mainstream music. Oh, yeah. It is that darkness is looking for a way to creep in. Mm -hmm. Don't let it. So don't consume those things and then just keep focusing on the light. I am loving because this is how I show my love. I am resilient. I am forgiving. Do you just keep choosing? It's going to sound cliche, but you just keep choosing love and light. Yep. You keep saying, should I stay in bed? Should I go sit in nature? Heart, 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 heart. And you will um, repel the darkness. It is a constant conversation. And at first I was about to say how annoying that can feel of like, what do you want to do hard now? And 10 minutes later, because I do feel I said to you that it's like every five minutes, I feel like I'm recalibrating. And then I was like, how do we stop having to recalibrate? Well, what you're doing is you're retraining your mind. Yes. And eventually it will become second nature because the mind will become your athlete. Yes. And you're, you're going to hit mastery. But also the mind, again, ego is the mind. The ego texture of the mind starts to calm down. It's relaxing because, not because you're like, get in line, get in line, get in, get in line. But you're saying, every time you say heart, 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 you're actually saying to the ego, I'm paying attention. Yeah. I hear you. It's like saying to, you know, your kid isn't asking you, when are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? Your child, if you feed your child good food three times a day at the same time, their body knows, their mind knows, and they're not in fear of whether they're going to get fed or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with like ego, fear, I hear you, I'm going to the heart. Hear you, mm -hmm. we're going to the heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have a fear of being seen, whatever that means for you, I mean, it'll come up in every area of your life, right? Yep. Um, you are going to say, just a suggestion, you're going to be really gentle with that fear. And you're going to say, and I'm taking you with me. Mm. Like, mm. you're not leaving your fear in the basement. You're not leaving your fear at the bottom of the priority list that day. You're saying, I heard you, and I am this. I'm the mother. Yeah. I am connected to the divine. I am powerful. I have room for you. I'm going to put you in my purse, and I'm going to take you on stage. I'm going to take you to this conversation today mm, yeah and i do visualize myself literally caring the, the a scared version of me that was scared in the past of doing that and just saying to her like i know it wasn't safe for you before but i'll show you it's safe now and even if you don't believe me like it is and there's something about that that i just have to keep reinforcing that this is safe that i got me can i give you a refinement please you might want to try see what happens if you don't reference the past Mm. And that's the biggest. So instead of saying, I know it wasn't safe for you before, because mm. you're just bringing that memory up mm -hmm. for the wounded self. Mm -hmm. Just say, I know you don't feel safe right now. Mm -hmm. And you carry on from there. You've got to leave the past in the past. 
Which actually brings me to my next question, because there was a section in your book that really just, I think I'd heard it before, but the way that you had written it and the, my readiness for it at that time, I was just like, that is so potent. But you talked about how all emotions are old. Yeah. And how and they're asked. Yes, there actually is no emotion that's almost like about what's presently happening right now, which that makes sense because we talked about how triggers, it's like, I'm not responding to like that now, stupid yes. thing that we're trying to like figure out now and sort out. It's like, that's not the thing. It's it's always something else. And so I would love for you to just sort of explain to us and our listeners how how emotions are not necessarily related to the present moment, how they are from our past and how we can like love, integrate, release, or bring them with us to work, as you say, because I hear so many clients say like, I need to, I need to get over this so that I can start to blah, blah, blah. Right. And I've been actually offering them the counter, like, what if you never get over it? Mm-hmm. Like, what if you literally never get over it? Because I had a client say, like, I need to get over, like, my my stupid fear of, like, talking on camera. And I'm like, what if you don't? And you just bring it with you. And so kind of mm-hmm. curious to know what you'd say about that and, like, the emotions being old or mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like saying, well, what if your kid lives with you a lot longer than you expected? he's still going to accommodate them. He's still going to take your fear with you. Um, First, we need to talk about emotions then. Yes. So my big revelation over the last few years has been me being in a good mood has nothing to do with me being purposeful and having a meaningful life. Yeah. Because I've been in really bad moods and had really rough patches of life. And I realized, like, I could still be really loving. Mm. And I could still be a great friend. And I could still receive love. It's like, hmm, there's something to this. And I realized it's about virtue and higher states of consciousness. So like the, the quick one on that is love is not a feeling or an emotion. Love is a state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff of existence. And it's foundational. We can access it all the time. Yeah. Mm. Um, because some people, you know, Somebody asked me in my Heart Center membership a couple of weeks ago, well, what do I do if I don't want to be loving? Well, who wants to be loving all the time? This is the struggle. Yeah. I just got cut off in traffic or they just screwed me out of the contract or whatever it is. I don't want to be loving. You choose to be loving anyway yeah. because you're the mother, the divine, the, this conscious being who's got it. Mm. You make the loving choice. You say the loving thing. That is evolution. That's consciousness, yeah. right? You're conscious. I don't want to be loving, but I'm choosing to embody it anyway. Mm-hmm. So the lower chakras, the emotions, the mind, how do we know to be angry? Because we're trained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we know that this thing happened and therefore I should have a sad response? Right. Because we're indoctrinated into it. Eons, lifetimes, culture, religion, school... You know, they did this at school. Well, you should be pissed. Right. They did this at work. Well, you better take them to court. Mm-hmm. And if you're not conscious, you will buy all that. You think, yeah. oh, I should be so, I should take them to court. No. No, no, no. Just stop and think about this. It's just an emotion. What do you really want to do? Right. So we're never not going to be emotional. Feelings are a beautiful thing. Mm. Feelings are our mind babies too. Be human, acknowledge them, Mm -hmm. listen to them. They're telling you something. 
do not identify as the feeling. Mm -hmm. So this is a very long unpacked answer to your question. <laughs> um, what do you do with your emotions? Love them, integrate them, pay attention to them, get on with your life, get on with loving. Yeah, it really is like, well, she's very close with my daughter. So it really is like loving Emmeline's emotions, right? Like I always tell my husband, because he's like, why is she getting so upset? Like I already told her this. And I said, it's not logical, right? There's no logic to emotion a lot of the time. So we'll, but we still have to hold space for that. And so I think it really is just bringing yeah. that same practice to our emotions. But we're so used to having to explain why. Yeah. Well, and your husband doesn't need to know why. He just needs to love her. Exactly. And, and with us too. Yeah. It is the same thing with us. So I was talking to a dear friend. He's just like, why does this trigger me? You know what? We've talked about why it triggers you enough. Mm, yeah. You don't actually need to know why it triggers you. Just be like, I'm triggered. This is what I feel. What's my healing response right now? Mm. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to leave the room. Because... So often when we go to the why does it trigger you, yeah. like I love it. I really want to go there too. Analysis is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Please, at some point in your life, ask the questions about why it triggers you. But you can't do it with everything. Like one of my greatest esoteric lessons has been, wow, Danielle, you don't have to process everything. Yes. You don't have to see every cloud in the sky. Like I've got a bigger thing to do today, which is be kind, be loving, get to yoga, whatever it is. Mm. You don't need to process it all. So it's also very helpful in relationship. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Because you'll use the exploration of the triggers almost like sometimes justification for like your reaction too. Well, and the story or yes. the reason why you're mad. Yeah. Right? We just stay onto the story and then you're, it's a story fighting a story. It's oh, not yeah. heart to heart. It's not person to person. It's just my story versus your story. Oh, very good. There's also, I find, a spiritual superiority. It's like, mm. <laughs> if I can in the moment let you know that this is your family of origin thing, yeah. that I have the upper hand in that moment yeah. of the dance. Yes. Or I could just say, wow, babe, you, you probably need to eat. I think, you know, I don't even need to say this is a blood sugar thing. It's just like, yeah. you know what? Why don't we just get you some food? Yeah, mm. it can actually be that simple. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny because I just I just recently went through this where I was like, I was trying to explain all my triggers. I was like, I like I we had this huge thing, and then I was like, we need to have a conversation. And I'm trying to, I'm, and I'm like, and I actually started laughing at myself in the middle of this conversation because I'm like, I'm so funny. Like, like <laughs> look at me trying to like do this like, let's talk. This is what happened. And this is what it reminded me of. And I'm just like, just no, I actually started laughing. I was like, oh my God, I just need to like move on. Like, and he honestly was looking at me too, kind of like, I already know. And like, <laughs> kind of like that was yesterday. And it's like, look at me. Like, I just keep bringing like the past here and I'm trying to explain it. And I'm like, and it's like, just, it's the funniest thing. Like literally just move on. It's so pacing. It's but, kind of just like, yeah, taking your suitcase on a trip and you're, you're like, want to see what's in here? Like want to see what's in here? Do you want to know why I packed it? And it's like, none of that matters. Just I was like, raise your suitcase to dinner. Yeah. It's not even necessary. Yes. Yeah. So true. So true. Oh but God. this humor twist <laughs> is similar to your twist of you will say to your shadowy self, there, there. Mm. Humor is so powerful. It's just like mm. sometimes, you know, I'll do something and be like, 
Oh my God, you're so awesome for doing that neurotic thing. It's so funny how you do that, Danielle. And the charge is out. I move on. Well, we get out about that a lot where I'm like, oh, the universe must just be like, oh, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you chasing your tail again. Because we do that with our kids too, right? When my We laugh at them. Totally. Where if she's upset about losing a video game and I'm like, oh, it's okay, babe. She's like, I was just really trying or whatever. And we think it's endearing. Well, I remember, and I know Emily does this too, but as a kid, like, I would get so mad when, like, my, my mom was, like, laughing at me. Like, when mm-hmm. I was really upset, I'm like, no, like, mom, like, and I'm trying to justify, she's just, she just finds it funny because she, like, it's like she already knows it's, like, not a big deal. It's kind of like, okay, like, that's great that you're having this reaction, but it's funny to me. And so in that moment of kind of humor with myself, I was like, oh, like, this is just not a big deal. Like, but look at me making a big deal out of it. And I just, I was just able to kind of laugh and chuckle and, like, move along but i'm just not taking it so seriously too i think it's been helpful for light lighter yeah Yeah. lighter because for a minute there you and i you know god the trigger came back again let's start all over again and i remember i was like i just need to figure out how to love myself (laughs) i was so annoyed with you that day too because you were like you don't have to learn it's right there and i was like no no no, you don't get it you don't get it i have to like find it again i was like you're just using how learning how to love yourself another thing you need to do to get to love your your, do you see what you're doing and then i was like but it's my homework because i had a medical intuitive who said to i don't know to do a solo to basically connect with my love and i was like well i'm trying to figure that out where is it how do i find it and Aren't we great? We're so great. I know. <laughs> we're so just funny. We're so keen. Yes. And to want to grow and to want to be more, to even take the homework. <laughs> we're awesome. Yeah, we took that. You took that homework very seriously. Very, really, she told me that but I have too seriously. But then we can laugh about it now. Yeah. It's funny now. It's funny now. It's funny now. Oh, my gosh. Um, I feel like we could just talk to you forever. I want to keep going so bad, but I don't want to take up all of your time. But we have to have you back. Um, there's one final question we always ask everyone. I cannot wait to hear your answer. I find that with a lot of us, we do have some maybe common themes that we spiral through in our lives um, where it might be a recurring kind of lesson or just something that keeps coming up for you. We would love to know if you have some themes that you would like to share that you spiral through. Oh, now you're giving me therapy. (laughs) What's my deep, (laughs) yes. Um, My themes are authority issues. Uh, So you can imagine how I've been in the last three years of life on earth. (laughs) And um, an abandonment issue. Mm. Yeah, so what I've learned with the authority issue is is to be really brazen with it and be like, I have authority issues and I cannot be contained and thought it was really cool. But really what's underneath that is a a terror of being controlled. Mm. That too, yeah. And so I have... um, I'm working on my behavior when I go through airport security. Mm. You mentioned this actually in October. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a real, that's when it's most pronounced for me. Mm. Uh, because it's like letting me into the country, not letting me in. Do we even need, you know, and then I'll just get really esoteric. Do we even need the borders? Yeah. And then I'll just be like over a hair care product mm. that's two ounces. Like, yeah. it's just all so inane. It makes me furious. But I'm just being more chill and... Uh, looking at if I look at my fear I can be more civilized mm. and the abandonment issue is really I mean to the the pith of it the seed of it is a fear of annihilation mm. like just like 
what's the worst thing that could happen to you? You could not exist. It's even beyond death. Like, what if my soul just got wiped out? And I was just like, never here. And that just comes up in like, is someone going to want to publish my book? Like, that's how it manifests. Um, yeah, it shows up with this dance with fame and Instagram, you know, all those things. Yeah, just the recognition. And yeah. yeah. I love hearing all of that because I think one of the myths that a lot of us fall into is thinking that there is an end game to this, that one day we're going to get there and we don't have to deal with this anymore. So it's always helpful for us to hear from people like you that, oh, okay, this is normal and this is okay. And I'm not less than because I'm not at this level or anything like that. So I find it always really healing to hear that. And one of the things that I love in your book that we've definitely been trying to embody a lot over the past couple of years is just seeing the beauty in everything mm-hmm. and seeing the love in everything. Because even like you were saying about the homeless man, it's can we see that through God's eyes? Can we see that through loving eyes? And it's easier to look outside at that, right? I can see the love in you. I can see the beauty in you. It's it's The work is obviously seeing that within ourselves, but and also in the ego and in the pain and in the things that we might experience. And so... Um, thank you for your book, for teaching us how your to... work, everything. Oh, I just love even um, how you changed it to embodying love instead of being what you want to feel. I think that was a really big brain explosion for us. Yeah. Yeah. Fe- I think uh, Desire Map was originally yeah. based on like, how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, can you can you still act loving when you don't feel loving? Yes. It's actually been my greatest practice because in my partnership, sometimes I'm just like literally like yelling behind the door. Like I close the door and I'm like, totally. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's like, okay, that's how I feel. But like, does this person and experience still deserve love? And frankly, maybe like, don't I deserve to mm-hmm. feel and embody that too? Like, what am I just going to like go about this day? Like feeling just ridden with like just rotten feelings. It's like, we, we all deserve that. And so, yeah, I just... Thank you so much for being on earth, uh, for telling us about it through your books and your podcasts and everything. Um, Yeah, but let our our listeners know um, where they can kind of find you and keep up with you. And we definitely want to make sure they get a copy of How to Be Loving. Loving Light. DanielleLaporte.com. And I really love people to come to the site because if I can interact with you directly it's like pure Mm. and i have a kind of struggle love relationship with instagram i'm on instagram most of my world is there but i'm i want to have a more direct relationship yeah yeah feels like kind of like coming to your house for the website yeah 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 which you're allowing people into now yeah yeah you're invited (laughs) and meg will be there (laughs) at the window yeah thank you so much for coming and uh we're gonna we're gonna cherish this one for forever mutual it's mutual yeah thank you thank you Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to spiraling higher.